Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, and we are going to preview everything that is taking place between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the San Francisco 49ers. Every game of the season is important, especially down the stretch, but this one in particular is a big deal because the Niners are the current three seed right now, the Bucs are the four seed atop of the uh, NFC South. So as bad as things have been for the Bucs, they are in a situation where they can move up the seedings, not directly, but they can move up the seedings uh, at one point or another, but it is going to take maybe not a Herculean effort, but it's going to take their best game of the season to do it. And we're going to talk about all of that. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. It is Scott Reynolds and Scott, Fun time is over with the late game heroics yes. for the Bucs. We're on to the San Francisco 49ers. We know yes. Tom Brady is. It's a homecoming game for it him, is. and uh, there's a lot to get into for sure. Yeah, it really is. This is um, <laughs> is is this the the ghost of Christmas future, right? With Tom Brady in, in San Francisco, <laughs> is he going to stay there after the game and be a 49er? Well, that might happen next year, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen this year. He'll still be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, throughout the season. But yeah. uh, it is interesting, right, because this is Tom's home state. This is the team that he grew up in uh, watching. He was a big mm -hmm. Joe Montana fan. He was actually there at the game when uh, when they had the catch, Yeah, which was cool. The 49ers, uh, Dwight Clark caught the uh, – back of the end zone pass from Joe Montana to beat the Dallas Dallas Cowboys. So there's a lot of history here for Tom Brady. His parents still live in, in, in California. Mateo, yeah. yeah, right. So it's it's a homecoming game for, for Tom Brady. He's going to want to play his best football. And we're going to dive into this, um, this game here, 49ers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First of all, let me just throw some stats for you here. These – uh, you tell me who this quarterback is. Okay. He's very familiar. I'm just going to give you that heads up right here. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, let's see here. I got to pull that. Okay. You ready? Um, 16 touchdowns on the season, uh, four interceptions, 67.2% completion percentage. Who's the quarterback? Come on, Matt. Who's the quarterback? You're talking about TB12? You would think, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty decent amount of touchdowns. Not as right. much, not as many as it was last year. Only four interceptions, sixty-seven percent completion percentage. Okay, um, got to so be Jimmy I'm, G. If it's not Tom, it's, it's Jimmy Tom's G. Not, yeah, it's Jimmy <laughs> G. So here's the thing: Jimmy Garoppolo uh, has has uh, only four interceptions, sixteen touchdowns. And 67% completion percentage. Tom Brady, your quarterback, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans, has three interceptions, 16 touchdowns, and 66.2% completion percentage. Nearly identical stats between Brady and Garoppolo. I'm sure Brady is not happy about that. No. But I'm just saying, it, it's kind of crazy, right? It's like we think of Jimmy Garoppolo as this awful quarterback, and Tom Brady is this amazing quarterback. But almost identical statistics this year. The one thing that Tom Brady doesn't have that Jimmy Garoppolo has is more wins this year. 49ers are eight and four. It's kind of crazy to think about, but not that much separation. Now, if you're going to ask me which quarterback would I take, I'm taking Tom Brady all day long. But I'm just saying it's kind of crazy how both of those numbers are almost identical for these quarterbacks. Uh, so it's it's kind of wild to think about. Just stumbled upon that as I was doing my research for this big game and um, anything jump out to you, Matt. I mean, here's one more thing too. Sure. Since the Christian McCaffrey trade, right? The 49ers traded for him. He suited up for that chiefs game, literally mm -hmm. a couple of days after arriving in San Francisco from Carolina. And since then, now they lost to the chiefs 44 to 23. That was at home, but then they've ripped off five straight wins with Christian McCaffrey. Of course, the next week against the Rams, he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Threw for a touchdown, yeah, caught yeah. a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. They beat the Rams. They beat the Chargers. 
They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Saints. And, of course, last week they beat the Dolphins. Christian McCaffrey has been a factor. So the prior to Christian McCaffrey's arrival, this was a 49ers team that lost to the Chicago Bears 19-10. to They lost to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos. Let's yeah. ride. Yeah, they lost the Denver Broncos 11-10. to And they lost to the Atlanta Falcons 28-14. Since his arrival, they've scored 23 points, 31 points, 22 points, 38 points. And they they did beat the Saints, although it was 13 to nothing. Uh, not a huge point explosion there, but then 33 points for the Dolphins. So since Christian McCaffrey's arrival, the 49ers offense has really picked up in terms of point production. Yeah, it really has. And a couple of things that really stand out to me is, one, they're kind of force-feeding Christian McCaffrey, too. And I think his yeah. first couple of games, you know, other than the, the thrown touchdown, it took him a little bit to, you know, really find his groove in this offense. And the 49ers had a couple other running backs that are talented as well, but they ended up yeah. getting injured because— Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell. Outside of the Chargers, only the Niners have, like, just as bad of like an injury history with their yeah. um, with their star players. So right. they've been Christian McCaffrey heavy a little bit where they don't even necessarily need to. I mean, all the weapons around them, whether it's George Kittle, right, Debu Samuel, you know, Brandon Ayuk leads the team in touchdowns, I believe, yeah. and he's not even he like does. their most talented wide receiver. Right, Debo can line up as a receiver, but obviously go in the backfield. So. That's what really scares me about the box. I mean, they've had so many communication issues. You want to talk about the Taysom Hill touchdown, the Cooper yeah. Cup touchdown from weeks ago. The Bucks have communication issues every single week or breakdown in coverage. So now you're telling me they're going to have to figure out when Debo's in the backfield or McCaffrey goes in motion or, you know, they line up Kittle. Not to mention they use a fullback as well, Kyle Juszczyk, who actually, you know, scored a touchdown last week. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to be the focal point. But they can right. attack you in so many different ways. But I would say, to answer your question, the biggest thing that really stands out to me is I think with both teams, and obviously Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback for the yeah. 49ers in this game, I think we're looking at another defensive struggle. And I say that mm -hmm. meaning uh, the Monday night game for the Bucs and the Saints. It was yeah. pretty heavily predicated on the defense. And then Tom Brady right. Magic came over uh, with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I just see another, I don't want to necessarily say sloppy because the Bucs do a pretty good job of holding on to the ball. Yeah. And we'll find out with Brock Purdy, but it's just going to be another, like, grind it out. Let's see who yeah. can score one or two touchdowns, and that's going to be the win because you yeah. don't know what you're going to get with Purdy. But, man, this Bucks offense against, you know, Nick Bosa, 14 and oh, a half yeah. sacks, uh, Fred Warner, Warner, the um, the, they're very, very talented linebacker. Yeah, Drake Greenlaw, yeah, Drake Lee, Greenlaw Javarius as well. I mean, they've, they've got a, a loaded defense, Ben. They really do, Matt. You're bringing up some good points here, and I, I know he's a rookie. I know he's a young kid, mm -hmm. but if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm thinking about giving uh, Jake Carmada a rest day on Friday's practice. Yeah, because he's going to be busy this week. He's going to need that leg on Sunday. I think we're going to see a lot of Jake Carmada, probably more than we want to see. Uh, and I could be wrong. I thought Josh Wells was going to get absolutely killed on uh, on Sunday, and and uh, he did not fare great. But you know, Cameron Jordan did not hit or sack Tom Brady, so that's that's a win in my opinion. But yeah, I think Jake Kamara is going to get uh, a a lot of work out. This is going to be a field position game. Yeah, this is going to be a turnover type game, and and the Buccaneers. Both of these teams do a pretty good job of protecting the football, right? We read off the interception numbers. Only four picks. For uh, Jimmy G, who's not playing, right? Right. But um, but only three interceptions for Tom Brady. So both of these teams throughout this year have done a pretty good job protecting the football. Defensively, both of these teams are good. I should I shouldn't say that. The Bucks are good. The 49ers are great when it comes to their defense. You look at at what they're doing. We'll get into the individual players in a minute here. But right now, San Francisco has got the top scoring defense. The Buccaneers come in at number five with 18.3 points per game. Matt, the 49ers are better at 15.8. And you look at at, uh, at where they, they really excel, it's not just with the scoring, right? That's one thing that Tampa Bay does a pretty good job of is, is keeping the points uh, off the scoreboard. They also just limit the yards in San Francisco. 
283.9 yards per game. That's Leeds the league. best in the league. Yep. Tampa Bay, 313.8. They're uh, they're sitting at number eight, so they're still in the top 10. Again, we're talking about a good defense versus a great defense here. The good defense is in Tampa Bay. The great one's in San Francisco. Then, to the envy of Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers, who is leading this league in run defense, Matt? Who is leading this league in run defense? Yeah. The 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 75.6 yards per game. Tampa Bay, you know, they used to hold that spot, but now they've fallen off. They're 18th in the league, 118.4 yards per game. So a big discrepancy there. So if you're Tom Brady and you're playing behind uh, an injury-ravaged offensive line, um, and I say injury-ravaged because they're missing Tristan Wirfs. He's the only starter they're missing, but uh, he, he's the most important one. Uh it, they, they've got this kind of patchwork offensive line, right? You've got, you know, the backup guard in it at Nick Leverett at left guard. Uh, Shaq Mason coming off his worst game in Tampa. I thought he got owned big time Sunday, um, gave up a sack, gave up some hits. And and then you got Josh Wells in a right tackle. So it's not ideal for Tom Brady. And he's going up against this line. Uh, they'd love to be able to run the ball, Matt, but they're not going to be able just to run haven't. the ball. They're worse yeah. in the league at running the ball. It's yeah. just like, so they're, they're I don't think really... this is the week where they change it. Exactly. Know? As I was going to say, so they're not really good at it. And if they want to try to do it, they shouldn't because this is a defense that just won't let you do it. So, of course, they're going to try to run on first down, Matt. We know that. They're, they're so predictable. They're yeah. going to try to run the ball, but they're not going to have much success to it. And if they do, by golly, they're probably going to have success beating the 49ers. They're going to have to really get creative, and I think this is going to have to be the week where this defense has is, is just got to come up with some takeaways. They've got to. If, if you if you can summon up, if you can conjure a pick six, if there's anybody out there that that has some, you know, rosary beads or, or you know, uh, any type of voodoo, uh, witch doctor, you know, any, any prayers that you can offer up to this defense to, hey, if if I can conjure up a pick six, it would be this week. This is the week where I think the Bucks are going to need it. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I agree with you, Matt. But they're going to have to take the ball away. And that means getting after Brock Purdy and either yeah. hitting him, sack fumbles, which they really haven't done this year, or pick off uh, some of his passes. They're going to have to help this offense out with some short fields, even some points on the board. Uh, the 49ers are plus four in the turnover margin this year. The Buccaneers are even at zero. So it's not like one team has a huge advantage here, but for the Buccaneers, for them, if they want to be a great defense, they got to be a little bit more stout against the run, but they got to get the takeaways. That's where that, that that's where they're stuck at being a good defense and not a great defense. Exactly. And the law of averages have to play out where the Bucs have to get, and I'm going to say a meaningful interception because yeah. Mike Edwards had an interception against Cleveland, but it was a Hail Mary at halftime. It wasn't like the Bucs forced anything. It was yeah. um, just, you know, just a, a, a lucky play right there. Mark says no screen passes. I yeah. could not agree more. No screens to the running back. No yeah. stupid swing passes to Chris Godwin that, goes for like three or four yards. Um, they run that continuously. And again, that's why teams are pointing out, hey, they're about to do this. They're about to do that. Um, talking about going up against Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback in his first career start. Normally you say, hey, this is great. You're going up against a rookie quarterback. And that still is the truth mm -hmm. for uh, to a degree. Um, but I would also say the 49ers and Shanahan's offense, I'm not going to say it's rookie quarterback proof, but if there's any type of offense that can best suit and cater to a new player, it would be this type of offense. I will uh, bring up my example in just a moment. But first, yeah. I do want to talk about uh, the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, Celsius Energy Drinks, the best energy drink around that you can find. Uh, multiple different flavors. You see the Arctic Tropical and Peach Vibes up there. You can also go with the Sparkling Watermelon, uh, Peach Mango. Uh, cola flavored cucumber lime so a ton of great flavors seven essential vitamins is the key it's the healthy version of an energy drink gives you that essential energy to accomplish whatever goal you have in front of you also zero sugars that means you're not getting that crash later on like you might have with other products you just drink it you're good to go uh, because the flavors so are so awesome you might want to try a lot out you want to find out where you can go get them just go to the celsius store locator put in your address and you can find out, you know, if they have it at your local Walmart, Target, Bodega, as I like to say. Bodega. And then uh, Bodega. 
And then once you uh, you know you love Celsius, and I know that you will, start buying it in bulk. Have it sent straight to your house or apartment. I would recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And you can have it set up every one, two, or three weeks, whenever you want, right at your doorsteps. That's a pretty awesome deal to subscribe and save over at Amazon. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Hashtag Celsius live fit. Hashtag Celsius energy. The official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. And like we said on the other show uh, yesterday, we love it when you guys send us uh, pictures, photos yeah. of uh, you know you having a Celsius energy drink. Someone today tweeted at us. Uh, they were upset because they spilled half of their Celsius energy drink. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's we're not able shame. to finish their, their Arctic vibe. So unfortunately, yeah. a damn shame there. But yeah, check out Celsius energy drinks if you haven't just yet. Uh, Drinking an orange right now. There you go. Celsius yeah. orange, the classic. Can't go wrong there. Yep. Um, we did have a, a question from Mark real quick here. Oh, yeah, sure. That up. Um, where was it? Here we go. Uh Appreciate the uh, the donation, Mark. Uh, seriously, have you guys noticed that Brady's long balls don't have the loft that they did the last two years? Harder to complete that pass. Um, I, I don't know that I've noticed uh, a lack of loft. Um, sometimes I think there's almost too much loft because he's overthrown some people, like Julio Jones on on a Sunday's game. That or yeah, on, on the Monday night game uh, to to Julio down the field. That was an overthrow. I think that he's he's overthrown Mike a little bit, you know, and maybe that's what you're yeah. talking about. Maybe it's a little bit too much of a of a of a deep shot rather than yeah. that kind of arching pass where where the the receiver can run underneath it. There just there hasn't been a lot of deep ball connections this year, and honestly, there hasn't been a lot of deep ball throws either. Brady has been throwing so much of, of the quick game, the underneath stuff, the wide receiver screens, Matt, like we've talked about, that I just don't think that they're getting enough shots to really kind of iron it out and iron it out and, and and get that range finder going where Brady can do that in 2020. It was more of a bombs away approach. Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin down the middle, uh, yeah. even Rob Gronkowski, you know, he caught several 30 yard passes, those deep shots down the middle. So uh, to me, I don't, I don't think they do it enough to be really good at it anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah, everything's short, dink and dunk, a lot of receptions to uh, the running backs, but, you know, that did play well at the, the end of the game with Rashad White scoring a touchdown. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like the the 10 to 15 yarder to Mike Evans, uh, the couple of receptions that he made, that really seems to be the Bucks' new chunk play, which, yeah, it's a nice play down the field, but I wouldn't categorize it as, like, an absolute chunk play. They're just – they're not able to push it like they used to. I don't think it's necessarily Brady's, like – lack of arm strength or anything yeah. like that. Again, the, the throws to Julio and Mike, he's missing it by a yard or two. So it's not, right. you know, it's not like he, it's completely egregiously over the top or, or missing. I think it's more yeah. of he's getting rid of the ball so quick because, you know, he doesn't totally trust the offensive line still, and he's dumping yeah. it off quickly. That's why you're getting those shorter plays and those screen plays. Um, if you would just stay in the pocket a little bit more, maybe some of those uh, deep balls hit just a second or, or or a second or two more than uh, yeah. typically that they would. So that's how I would assess. I, I, I still think he can come around and start hitting those later on in the season, but it's up to Brady to really trust his offensive line. So the last yeah. thing I want to say uh, before we really change subjects here, going mm -hmm. back to Purdy, a rookie going into Shanahan's offense. Let's remember this was a couple years ago before really the whole Jimmy G and Trey Lance saga took over, right. but the 49ers had a young quarterback. There's a uh, Brock Purdy right there. The 49ers had a young quarterback by the name of uh, Nick Mullins yep. who played at, uh, what was it? Southwestern Missouri. It was Southern Miss. Southern, Southern Miss. Southern yeah. Miss yeah. So he played mm -hmm. at the same school as Brett Favre. That was the, yep. the big comparison there. And sure. The 49ers weren't a great team. They weren't, you know, uh, Super Bowl contenders by any mean, but I think they were a way more competitive and in games and actually functional on offense more than anyone anyone else really thought. Right. And you could say, hey, like maybe Nick Mullins showed something that uh, you weren't expecting. But I would liken it more to just the fact that this offense, they have the schemes, they have everything dialed up mm -hmm. where you kind of just need to plug in a quarterback and make sure they yeah. don't completely screw it up. So that's where... That hurts the Bucs, and Todd Bowles kind of talked about it today, where 
you know, you don't have a lot of tape or footage on, on Brock Purdy. And mm-hmm. Bull said, you know, we're, we're game planning against the scheme. It's not necessarily one guy. It's the scheme yeah. that the 49ers bring. And so that's obviously a huge matchup matchup in of itself. Yeah. It's just Todd Bowles and his defensive game planning versus right. Kyle Shanahan, his offensive game planning. Yeah. And I think Brock Purdy's skill set fits what Shanahan likes to do quite a bit. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Skylar Thompson, who was a Kansas State quarterback that I watched. Uh, yeah, Wildcats D- doesn't doesn't have a huge uh, frame. You know, he's he's um, uh, you know he's he's got pretty decent NFL size uh, uh, in this day and age. He's not like the big closet or, or uh, uh, classic pocket passer. He's not the six foot five, two hundred and thirty five pound guy. Six one two twenty. Uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of these type quarterbacks, these kind of gritty gamers coming into the league. Uh, and even got like we saw Anthony Richardson, right? The the quarterback for yeah, Florida, Florida, the player. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's got all the talent in the world. He is he is going to bomb in the NFL. I couldn't believe he was just side tangent here. I could not believe yeah. that he declared for the NFL draft. Because I was saying read, the same thing. He can't uh, read defenses. Right. He's going to get eaten There's alive. games he looked awful, and he's yeah. – like his athleticism is not going to be enough to do well mm-hmm. in the NFL. I was saying, Correct. like, I'm surprised he wasn't staying for another year, especially because yeah. there's a really good quarterback class this year. And that's why I was happy to see – I was saying and I was hoping that Florida State's quarterback, Jordan Travis, would stay yeah. another year because, I mean, he's at best like a fourth-round pick in this year's exactly. draft. And he stayed, so I'm very happy for uh, Yeah, Florida but it's State players like that. And, and we're seeing like two attack Leavoa – uh, and and uh, we're uh, I'm not saying Skylar Thompson's gonna be great. I think he's just a backup. But but we'll see how how Purdy uh, is. But it's these type of of day three guys. You kind of think of you know of of like the the, the Tom Brady esque yeah. guy who just doesn't have all the great physical tools to wow you, but is smart, tough, good decision maker. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's got like like Moxie, which is the term that bulls used to describe him the other day. He's, you know, gritty, uh, Max, Max Dugan from, uh, from TCU. TCU. Not sure if he's going to be, you know, a, a career backup or if he's, if he's got it to get to the next level. But, um, but I think, I think some of these quarterbacks coming out are, are going to be better than, than people expect. Even uh, Pratt, the, the kid uh, at Tulane is a yeah. really good quarterback. I was texting with Ryan Griffin about him the other day. Griffin, of course, went to Tulane, and we were chatting on Saturday about the the K State TCU game and then the Tulane UCF game. And I I was impressed with Pratt. He beat Kansas State earlier in the year. He beat UCF to win the title for Tulane. He's a good quarterback, but he's probably not going to be a first round pick like like the 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 Levis kid at Kentucky and Richardson. Yeah. Probably going to get overdrafted because of his physical tools and potential. But the thing with Purdy, man, is I saw this guy play for four years at Iowa State. He was part of their turnaround, part of the reason why they were a bowl team for so many years. Um, he had 81 touchdowns, 33 interceptions, and 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions in 2019, and then uh, 19 touchdowns, nine picks the next year, and then his final year, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, completed 67.7% of his passes. He's a good system quarterback. And when I say system quarterback, that's kind of what Kyle Shanahan wants, somebody to run his system. And and uh, I don't think that you can plug and play Brock Purdy into any NFL scheme. He's not that good of a player. But as we we saw with Skylar Thompson in that Miami system, which is a, almost a carbon copy of what of what they run in San Francisco because that's where Mike McDaniels came from. But what they're doing in Miami, similar to what they're doing in, in San Francisco, and you get these type of quarterbacks that have some mobility, they're smart, that are good decision makers, that are accurate, and they can make some things happen and cause some problems for you. And so I think it's so much about scheme fit and quarterbacks, and that's why it's going to be really interesting next year just to kind of bring this back to the Buccaneers for a minute, Matt. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the Buccaneers, we do know that there's only one quarterback under contract next year in Tampa Bay, and it's it's not Tom Brady. It's not even Blaine Gabbard. It's Kyle Trask. He's the guy that's under contract for the Bucs next year, and we'll see what other quarterbacks will be joining him to compete for that job. But I want to see who the offensive coordinator is going to be next year and what type of offense the Bucs are going to run. It's not going to be Byron Leftwich. I'm telling you that right now. 
and, uh, and, and it will be very interesting to see what type of direction, because remember this Bruce Arians offense, they like those big pocket passers and mm-hmm. if all the way from Andrew Luck in Indianapolis to Carson Palmer to Tom Brady, I think that you're going to see a more mobile quarterback in the future. And, you know, it, it it's going to be interesting. I know we're not done with this year yet, but to see what type of offensive system and what type of quarterback the Bucks are going to have in 2023. Yeah, that's kind of the way the NFL is trending a little bit more, not necessarily college scheme type of offenses, but a little bit, but definitely more mobile quarterbacks that can escape the pocket or avoid, you know, the pass rush in front of you. And, you know, I'm not saying Tom Brady's getting phased out of the game by any means, right. but you see Jalen Hurts lighting it up, and obviously he's uh, a dual threat. And I could, I, I would like to see that for the Bucs. It's just kind of sad, man. Kyle Trask, second-round pick, technically third-round pick. He was the last pick of the second round. And just it seems like the jury's already out on him. Yeah. The, the uh, you know, there's not much belief in him. And it's like, oh, well, I guess we can give it to Trask or – we can open up door number two and go through the draft or whatever it is and, and find a new replacement there. But you know what? That's, that's future things for uh, the Bucks and, and Bucks fans and for us to worry about. I'm sure Bucks fans right now uh, want to know a little bit more about this Bucks 49ers matchup. Yep. And I just really want to know how we talked about the, uh, the 49ers offense a little bit, most notably Brock Purdy, but how are they going to stop everyone else on uh, on the Bucks uh, on the 49ers offense? I mean, yeah, Debo Samuel, who's going to cover him? You know, yeah. uh, do they put the the speedy Jamel Dean on him? And Dean just had a really bad game. Right. I mean, are we going to do Devin White against George Kittle? I don't mm-hmm. know if I necessarily love that. Or Levante's coming off a great game, but uh, yeah. you know, Todd Bowles was praising them for the way that they played zone and were able to take defenders or receivers off of each other and communicate right. there. But it's one thing when you have the game plan for one guy and the Bucks yes. couldn't even stop Taysom Hill. It's another right. when you have to uh, like at the forefront, stop those three guys in the passing game. And Oh, by the way, I haven't even mentioned Christian McCaffrey yet. Right. So. Yeah, no, you're right, Matt. It's, it's a multi-pronged approach and you have a, a joker as John Gruden would say, uh, a joker is a, is a, a, a guy, a card that can go with any hand, right? You can kind of manipulate him and do whatever. Debo Samuel's that guy. They have not been using him as much as a running back this year. And I think with, with good reason, because he's more apt to get beat up and hurt, right? And you want him available because the best ability in the NFL is availability. availability. Mm-hmm. So I think as you get closer to the end of the season, you might see more Debo Samuel getting more touches, whether it's it is as a running back or it's as as a wide receiver. Um, end arounds, he's very dangerous on those uh, end around to the jet sweep uh, type of, of plays. But it's interesting from a fantasy standpoint, I think fans are grumbling a little bit because this is a, a guy that that has just two rushing touchdowns and he, you know, he's got over 500 yards on the ground, but, but uh, I'm sorry, through the air. But as you mentioned, Brandon Ayuk is, is the leading receiver. He's got 56 catches to 50 over Debo Samuel, and he's got 698 yards to 569. So about 130 more yards and four more touchdowns. He's been the explosive guy. I like Dayo coming out of Arizona State. Yeah, He's, he's a speedster guy, very athletic. It's a great one-two punch because you have a, a kind of a workman-like guy that can play all over, and then you just have a guy that can just keep those safeties deep and let Samuel work underneath because of Ayuk's speed. Again, six touchdowns for Ayuk, only two through the air for Samuel, and then running the ball, the presence and the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey has really allowed uh, Samuel to, to see more time at wide receiver rather than in the backfield. Samuel only has 207 yards rushing this year. Some of those are end arounds and jet sweeps. He scored on one of those, but he's got uh, two rushing touchdowns. So only four total touchdowns for Debo Samuel. A little bit of, of a disappointment there from a scoring perspective, but I don't think we've seen the best of Debo Samuel. He's the guy, I think, as, again, as we get closer to the postseason, you're going to see more and more of him getting the ball in any way, shape, or form. And, and McCaffrey has really already made a, a splash with a couple of touchdowns on the ground. And uh, and a couple of touchdowns through the air as well. So uh, with him and Samuel and Ayuk, uh, those three guys are are a problem 
for for the Buccaneers to have to worry about deep, intermediate, and then at the line of scrimmage. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned him, right? We got to talk about him, George Kittle. Yeah, <laughs> still one of the best tight ends in the league. When so those three, yeah, yeah. If those three weren't a problem enough, right now you've got George Kittle, and he's having a pretty good year. Twelve point four yards per catch. He's got four touchdowns this season as well. Uh, thirty-eight touchdowns. I'm sorry, thirty-eight catches, four hundred and seventy-two yards, and again the four touchdowns. Uh, and we we would be remiss to say rookie quarterbacks, right? When under pressure, they're going to be probably looking to check the ball down. And you've mm-hmm. got Christian McCaffrey to check the ball down to. You're going to have Debo Samuel and George Kittle kind of, you know, in that short to intermediate uh, range to get rid of the ball to. Uh, th- those are some pretty great check down options, right? If you're if you're a young quarterback and you're getting <laughs> pressure by Todd Bowles defense, hmm, who's the best check down option? Is it George Kittle, you know, running the little hook uh, route? Is it is it the the curl route by Debo Samuel? Is it the flare route and the flat to Christian McCaffrey? It's hard to cover all three of those guys. And I, and and at this and I think the key for Brock Purdy is is finding the open guy. That's going to yeah. be the key is 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 knowing where to go with the ball when it's being checked down to. Mm-hmm. And I, and my hope is for the Buccaneers they get enough pressure on Purdy that he that he throws to the covered guy and one of these Buccaneers can maybe come up with an interception that that's that I think is what Todd Bowles is. Yeah. Is hoping may, for maybe, well. uh, maybe a little overthrow here or there. And, and on top of that, with all the weapons that the 49ers have, they're really balanced in the passing game too. I mean, Ayuk yeah. leads the way 698 receiving yards, but then it's Samuel 569 Kittle 472. Let's not forget about Juwan Jennings too. I mean, he only has 303 receiving yards, but yeah. he's I like, I loved a, him at Tennessee. He's, yeah, he's a he, tough dude, man. He's, he's a, a guy that guy. like, you know, he's on a great team, so he's not going to get the same spotlight right. and shine uh, that he would maybe if he was on another team. But this is as balanced of a passing attack as it was, I don't know, for the Bucs the last two seasons with Mike Evans yeah. and Chris Godwin and A.B. and Gronk. So um, definitely a, a similar blueprint to that. It almost it's very yeah. different. And again, we do have to factor in that Brock Purdy is the quarterback. But the weapons you mentioned, it almost kind of reminds me and you mentioned that, like, the checkdowns, he's going to have to go to mm-hmm. one of them early. Um, that hurts a little bit for, you know, Todd Bowles loves to blitz. And there was a couple of yes. times against the Saints where um, they just couldn't get to Andy Dalton quick enough. No. And he dumped it off to the uh, the tight end, Troutman. He yeah. got, like, you know, 25 yards down the field right. because he sent the house. And listen, I get it. That's Todd Bowles' calling card. But you know what? Let's remember that's I understand it was two years ago, but I think it kind of holds a little relevancy to this in terms of the weapons of the offense, like the Kansas City Chiefs in that Super Bowl. Right. Bowles didn't blitz a lot and he relied on Shaq and yes. JPP and neither of them are in this game, but he right. relied on not sending the house and actually covering these guys. And I think if the Bucs trust their front four, which I don't really uh I don't either. getting after the yeah. quarterback. I don't know if the Bucs can afford to just keep sending Devin White or send Levante David on a play and allow Brock Purdy to have that out route, which naturally comes with the blitz most with the blitz most of the time. I think it's a big ask, but if you just keep sending the house, which Todd Bowles likes to do, yeah, I think Purdy's gonna find Kittle. He's gonna find McCaffrey. So, I mean, do you trust Joe Tryanchenka to get after Purdy? I don't necessarily think so. Vita Bay yeah. leads the team in sacks, but uh, you know he's playing with a foot injury. And right, and, uh, and you did, know what? This is a game too because the 49ers like to run the ball, right? It, this is going to be more of a game where it's like the Cleveland Browns. And I will say this: I think the defensive linemen have played really well the last two weeks for the Buccaneers, right? I think I think Carl Nassib has been phenomenal yes. the last two weeks, and I know he's an outside linebacker, but I'm I'm including him in the defensive line because they're on the line of scrimmage. This is the game where, where I, if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm starting Carl Nassib and Anthony Nelson. And I'm using Joe Tryon Shoinka, who's not that good against the run. Uh, they're going to situationally. Boot. Yeah. The, I would use him as a designated pass rusher. I would use him creatively. I might even use him inside where right? we saw, we saw Vita Vea at the linebacker level, right. And, and be used in, in a fashion for Levante David to come home and and get a sack against uh, the the Saints, right? I I I would like to see 
Joe Tryon Shawinka used as a chess piece in this game rather than as an outside linebacker because the 49ers like to do so many bootlegs and and so many waggles yes. with their quarterbacks. That's a staple of the Shanahan offense. That Joe Tryon Shawinka, it's like see ball, get ball. He's like a he's like <laughs> a dog. He's like a puppy, right? Sees the ball, he gets the ball. Instead of doing his job and maintaining uh, the you know setting the edge and rushing straight up the field. Uh, Anthony Nelson's really good at containing quarterbacks with with bootlegs. He doesn't fall for it. He's a smart player. Carl Nassib's the same way. If I'm the Buccaneers, I'm using Joe Tryon Shuenka in a different type of role this week rather than just having come off the edge because uh, Mike McGlinchey is, is a pretty good offensive mm-hmm. tackle. Tristan Williams is an even better one. And so yeah. this is going to be kind of a physical, tough guy game. And I think Joe Tron Shoenka is more of an athlete than he is a tough guy at, at this stage of the game. So I'm I'm starting Nelson and and Anthony and uh, uh, Anthony Nelson and Carl and Carl Nassib. Those are my outside linebackers. I'm using JTS and I'm using Jannard Avery uh, situationally in obvious passing situations to bring some speed off the edge. Don't know if it's going to happen, but that's how I would uh, game plan for the 49ers because Trent Williams will beat the hell out of Joe Tryon Shoenka. He'll beat the hell out of Anthony Nelson, but I think Nelson's more stout and he's better against the run at this stage. Yeah. And same with, with Nassib as well. That's a very interesting pivot that uh, obviously we haven't seen yet this season, but yeah, JTS, you know, he got hurt on the, the end around that the Browns scored their touchdown early on in the game. Exactly. Right. uh, Against, uh, against the Browns two, two weeks ago. Wow. It feels like a long time ago. It's just two weeks, but, um, yeah, so if you can't stay in your gaps, especially with a team like the 49ers where you extremely have to be gap-oriented, that would be an adjustment that Tampa Bay could make. I do like Jannard Avery in that you know 11 to 12 snap range, mm-hmm. getting after the quarterback. He had yeah. a nice hit on Andy Dalton he did. Yeah. Uh, last week, so um, I would like to see him in that role. Uh, another thing and, I, and, and I was going to say, and also, too, th- this is really going to have to be if, you know, if Winfield can get back on the field and play. Sure. You, you blitz Winfield, you blitz Neil like like they did against the Cleveland Browns, and and really just, you know, you blitz Levante David, you blitz Devin White, you do what you can to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands quickly and hit him and make him feel uncomfortable right from the get-go. I think this this is the... You know, I love that Levante David sack, that pressure package. That was the third play of the yeah. game. Hell, mm-hmm. Levante David started the game with three straight tackles, right? Tackle mm-hmm. on first down, tackle on second down, and yeah, the tackle for a sack here on Andy Dalton. And I think that's the type of, of thing that Todd Bowles has to come out and do, not play soft zone right off the bat, be aggressive, try to set the tone, hit this kid, and, and, uh, and make him really think about it right from the get-go. And 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 sometimes we've seen Bowles get aggressive, and, and he was more aggressive against Dalton than I expected him to be right off the bat. Mm. Sometimes we've seen him kind of lay off a little bit and try to play coverage, and I don't think that's worked out too well. I think he's trying to manufacture some interceptions by dropping more people in coverage, creating some tighter windows for quarterbacks to throw to. This is a young quarterback. I think you get after him with pressure and then play more man coverage. Uh, and and hope that, that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean have better games. Yeah, there's so many things that Brock Purdy hasn't seen, so why not throw everything possible that um, that you can at him? Um, let's change it up here a little bit. I want to talk about our favorite beer, the official beer of pewterreport.com. That, of course, is Pirate Republic. They're based out of Nassau, Bahamas, but now invading Florida just in time for football season and the holiday season. Uh, Beer brings people together to celebrate life, and that's celebrating life in the spirit of the original Pirate Code, which is a sense of belonging. There's three beers I'm going to be talking about. The first is the Long John Pilsner. That's in the red can. It's the perfect beer for tailgating or having fun at the beach, specifically in the Florida sun. You could tailgate anywhere, but can't go to the beach everywhere. Uh, Then you have the Take No Quarter IPA. That's uh, in the green. That is the best IPA that you'll drink, and there's people out there that aren't huge IPA fans. I know I don't I'm really not, love IPAs, but, but I love it. <laughs> these are the exception to the rule, and they also have 7.2 percent of alcohol in their drinks. So you'll feel it too, man. All yeah, you need one. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. One can do the trick. 
Uh, and last, but certainly not least, drop an orange in the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wit Beer and enjoy that pirate life. That's in the gold can, of course. Uh, pirate Public Beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores in the greater Tampa Bay area. I get my Pirate Public at the ABC Liquors, and uh, they're expanding across the state of Florida. That's a lovely thing to hear. So live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. We love Pirate Republic beer. You can also get them at the New York, New York pizza in, uh, in Ebor. They have it over there. So check it out. We know everyone has their certain beer, but we're telling you, you'll enjoy this one. And again, help us uh, help our advertisers and big fan of it. Yeah, definitely a great beer. Um, We just got the injury report from the Buccaneers. Not a lot of great news here. I mean, I think the good news is there's not a lot of people on it. Cam Bray returned to practice with a uh, full participation. He was he was sick, missed the last game. Uh, I don't know that they missed him terribly. Kate right. did a really good job for the Buccaneers. I thought Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield; those are the guys that we're keeping an eye on. Edwards with a hamstring injury did not participate. Neither did Winfield with an ankle. Tristan Wirfs obviously did not participate. He's not expected to play. He's got the ankle. And knee injury. Sean Murphy Bunting was limited with the with a quad injury. Vita Bay was limited with a foot and shoulder injury. And we don't have the 49ers uh injury list yet because they're still practicing. It's like three hours yeah. behind here. So right. it's like 144 out there on Pacific time. So um keep an eye on that. I think Nick Bosa has a hamstring he's dealing with. He is, I think he's expected to play on Sunday. If he doesn't, that would be good news for the Buccaneers because this guy is a game wrecker. Let's switch now to the defensive yeah. side a little bit. We've talked about the 49ers offense. Uh, they're loaded with weapons. Brock Purdy is going to be the X factor. They've got a, a good offensive line. The tackles are the strength. I think the interior, this is a game where Will Golston, Vitavea, Akeem Hicks, they got to rise up and, and not just stop the run, but they're going to have to get after the quarterback as well and really push the pocket. Uh, that's going to be that the the soft underbelly of the 49ers is their interior offensive line. It's not bad, but it's not great. So the Buccaneers, Vita Bay is going to have to have a big game against the run and against the pass. But uh, the defensive side, we talked about just how good, statistically speaking, the 49ers are, Matt. Tops in the league in, in scoring defense, tops in the league in run defense, tops in the league in total defense. They just do a really good job of that. Uh, the one guy that really gets after the quarterback and gets the lion's share of the sacks, that is Nick Bosa. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> He's got 14 and a half sacks this year. He really is, I think, a defensive uh, player of the year candidate. I think that he's probably might even be the, the, the leader of the pack right now with so many sacks and just impactful. He was the NFC defense player of the week. He had three sacks against the Dolphins last week, so he was coming in hot. And he's going to be a problem for Donovan Smith, for uh, Josh Wells. Uh, they might move him around and, and give him some matchups. Charles Amenehue, uh, the other defensive end. Yeah, four sacks. Four sacks. Yeah, he's a player I like coming out of Texas. They have a couple of the guys, Samson Ubukum, three and a half sacks. And Drake Jackson, the rookie out of USC with three sacks. These guys can get after the quarterback as well. The one thing about Drake Jackson, he's got long arms. Kind of like a younger version of Jason Pierre-Paul. He's kind of a wiry guy. But like JPP, the thing that sticks out on tape about Drake Jackson is five pass breakups. For Mm -hmm. a guy that's a situational player to come in and get three sacks and have five pass breakups, he's done a really good job of of affecting the passing game, not just getting to the quarterback and getting him on the ground, but also those pass breakups. You mentioned, Matt, the, the, uh, the linebacker play. And I'm telling you right now, they have a one-two punch that uh, you know the Buccaneers like to, to crow about Levante David and Devin White. These guys, Dre Greenlaw, who actually leads the team in tackles with, with 88, mm-hmm. and Fred Warner with 84, this is a one-two punch that can shut down the run and cover. Yeah, that, that's why it speaks to why they lead the league in not just yards, but rushing yards as well. And you know, don't don't let the numbers fool you. It, going back to Bosa real quick, then I'll talk yeah. about uh, then I'll talk about Warner. But like Bosa leads away with fourteen and a half, and then Umenahu is next with four. But 
they have a lot of guys that have registered a sack this season. So sure, Bosa gets the lion's share. He is the workhorse for this team. But um, even if the Bucs, <laughs> they're not going to shut him down. But even if the, the Bucs are somewhat able to neutralize Bosa, um, that does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that they can just say, all right, we're good to go. We can uh, we can relax now because we stopped Bosa because they yeah. have a, a lot of other guys coming. But yeah, I mean, as you said, Scott, the, the Bucs have been talking about for a year, well, for a couple of years now, Levante David, Devin White, best linebacker duo in the NFL. And, you know, we've seen the faults with, with Devin this year, and we've seen just Levante not being as explosive as as he once was at this team but uh this combo here i mean warner i'm just a big fan of just the fact that he can do literally everything like it doesn't matter nothing fools him you know and we we talked a lot about smart player yeah like we talked about to mario davis last week about tom brady versus davis wildly veteran can do everything then he had an interception in the game he Mm -hmm. allowed the touchdown late but you know tom brady has been susceptible he doesn't turn the ball over much, but he does right. seem to continuously, when he throws interceptions, it's those throws over the middle, which right. seem Short to be throws. like yeah. right at midfield too. So that's right, right. in Greenlaw and, and Warner's wheelhouse there. Yep. Um, there's really not much of a, a a crack in the armor really anywhere in this 49ers defense. I mean, it's not a surprise that they shut out the Saints two weeks right. ago. And sure, the Saints were able to move the ball down the field and they just couldn't execute in the red zone. Well, it sounds like the Bucks, right? That's that's all yeah. they've done this whole season. But it's going to be uphill sledding for this game against this defense uh, with Warner and mm-hmm. all the things that he can do. So it may really just come down to a turnover field position, a field goal fiesta where yeah. there's going to be a lot of Ryan suck up and a lot of the 49ers kicker. Um, yeah. it's, it's not going to be a pretty one. If someone had never watched football before, it's like, right. Hey, this is what it looks like. I wouldn't mm-hmm. show, I wouldn't show the Bucks 49ers game. Right. And, and Robbie Gould's a good kicker too. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's not, a, not a bad kicker as well. Long um, tenure too. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been around the league. There's no doubt. The the thing too, about uh, Greenlaw and, and Warner is just their athleticism. I mean, the, the Bucks liked to Drake Greenlaw coming out of Arkansas. Um, didn't really have, you know, kind of that roster spot, I think, when he came out, which was, uh, gosh, that was 2019. So, you know, they they obviously drafted Devin White. They already had Levante David. They weren't going to draft Dre Greenlaw. But if if Devin White was was not available, because there was some talk that the, the uh, Oakland Raiders were considering him before, and they probably should have drafted him, right, <laughs> instead, of, instead of Cleveland Farrell. Uh, but – if they would have drafted him, the Buccaneers would have gone a different direction in the first round, um, and then and then maybe get a guy like like Greenlaw later in the draft. But Greenlaw, this is a, a player that has a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. He's got a couple pass breakups. He is a speedy guy, and Fred Warner is is also athletic and he's super smart, very instinctive. He actually leads the. The 49ers, Matt, in pass breakups. He has 10 pass breakups. The next closest guy is Traveris Ward with a nine. He's a cornerback, right? He's going to have more play right. at, you know, in defending the ball, but it's actually Warner is leading this, this team in pass breakups. Plus, he has an interception, a forced fumble. He he is a player that reminds me uh, of DeMario Davis uh, and, and just his savvy, his playmaking ability. Just, just a guy that you got to account for on every single down. And, uh, and I watch a lot of DeMario Davis. He's probably my favorite middle linebacker in the game right now. And, and even though he had the interception, it's, it's ironic that, that we talked about that matchup last week, right? The chess match between DeMario Davis and Tom Brady. DeMario Davis ended up being on the receiving end of all three of those touchdowns from Tom Brady. And I say all mm-hmm. three, meaning he was the one in coverage and Chris Godwin that didn't get called, right, that didn't count because of the holding penalty on, on uh, Donovan Smith. He was in coverage on Kate Otten that gave up the one-yard touchdown, and he was the one in coverage that gave up the Rashad White touchdown. So a little bit of payback there for Tom Brady. But but Greenlaw and and uh, Fred Warner, if you're not familiar with these guys, you're going to hear their number an awful lot on Sunday in stopping the run when the Buccaneers try to run, probably in, in, in futility. But 
these guys are going to be all over the field. Yes, they are. Hey, let's hear a message from our friends over at Immuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Dude, congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right, folks. Listen, it's it's getting close to the end of the year. And whether you have a financial advisor or not, what I'm asking you to do is this. Call our friends at Immuni Financial and let them give you a second opinion. Let them look over your portfolio and, and see what you have going on in terms of your retirement, see what you have going on in terms of, of your legacy planning or maybe your college savings accounts for your kids and see how Immuni can help you navigate this current crazy economic climate we're in right now. Maybe they're the better option, but you don't know until you call them. So do what I did. Call Immuni Financial, 1-800-868-6864. I've got most of my financial assets with Immuni Financial and, and encourage you to, to give them a call. They support Peter Report, and we ask that you help support our advertising partners like Immuni Financial. You can visit them on the web at immuni.com, whether it's brokerage services legacy planning, advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, or insurance. They have 40 years of experience in the game that can help you in the state of Florida. They can help you across the country. They can help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Immuni Financial, 1-800-868-6864, or visit immunity.com. Tell them Pewter Report sent you. And please, if you can, do us a favor. And uh, if you're not already following us on our social media or subscribing to us, <clears throat> please do. Uh, our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook handles are all at Pewter Report. And uh, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We obviously have the podcast here four times a week. We have the Celsius Pewter, Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show on our YouTube channel, along with our Pewter Game Day show. We're also putting out uh, a bunch of clips all the time, different sound bites, different uh, Bucks-related content that go on our YouTube video. And we would love to get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the Bucks season. Um, we're almost there. We're pretty close to uh, 8,000. And so we would absolutely love to get there. Actually, 9,800. We're close to 9,800. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. I don't know. How I know. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very close to that. Would absolutely love if you guys could help us out there. Yes. It's absolutely free. It helps with our algorithm, but it's completely free. You just hit subscribe. You get a heads up when we have new content out or when we go live like we do for all of the podcasts. So would really appreciate it if you guys could um, help us out with that because we love the Peter people. We love doing we do. this. And uh, it's always a fun time. We uh, also we love super, super chats. Chat. Yeah, yeah, if you super chat chats. us, we will make sure you get to cut the line. Essentially, it's a yeah. fast pass. That's right. We will make sure we put your comment up and uh, talk about it. Salty Buccaneer, appreciate the four ninety nine super chat. Thank you. So, Sr. With the 49ers defense getting to face off first, Byron's run and screen offense. Do we get to press now or Sunday? Um, I would say start now. Start. Uh, I would recommend getting the. Pirate Republic, Long John Pilsner. Yeah, responsibly, and, of course. Of course, yes. And the the Golden Haze of Piracy. These are two great uh, companions for your depression when it comes to watching the Bucks offense. So drink responsibly, but start now. Buy some of these and and just start preparing for the misery that you're going to see. Like I said, J Jake Camarda is going to be a one tired hombre. He's going to win. Uh, he's going to if if the Bucks win, he's probably going to win Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah. There's a so good the, chance the, of that. I, I agree. The Buccaneers are averaging just over 18 points per game right now. It's it keeps dropping because the Bucks just score 17. But I I think Tampa Bay is going to be lucky to score 17 points on offense if they get a uh, a punt return for a touchdown from the new punt returner who I know who it is, but I'm not at liberty to say. Um, I will tell you at the moment they are. I know who it's going to be. Yeah, I know it's going to be. I'm just, I can't say because I was told I can't say, but um, you're going to find out on Saturday. How about that? Okay. There you go. If you're a smart, savvy pewter reporter, uh, pewter report fan, you'll know what that means. You'll find out on Saturday. That's what I'm going to tell you. And, um, but 
whether it's a punt return for a touchdown, a pick six, a scoop and score, whatever, I think the Bucks offense is going to need some help this week. I don't think they're going to score 17 points. And it's going to be tough for the Buccaneers with all those weapons for this Buccaneer defense to contain everybody. Right. It's it's going to be tough. I think the Buccaneers are going to win. I don't know. I, I've been all four with my picks this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm like four and um, however many games. They yeah, play. I will say this. When I picked the Rams to beat the Bucs and when I picked the Saints mm-hmm. to beat the Bucs, it looked really good until like the last 10, 10 seconds of the game for either one of those. So it's not like I've been crazy bad. Right. But but um, my overall record has not been great. So my apologies to anyone who thinks that I'm jinxing this team by picking them. No, you're just uh, you're calling it how you see it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Will Butler, thank you, William Butler, thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. So, no way Tom comes back next year? Question mark? Question mark? We I, talked I didn't about think this so. a little bit on yesterday's show. I still don't think he's coming back. It would have to take a huge turnaround in this final stretch of the season. But you yeah. know, Byron Leftwich isn't going to be back. There's going to be other opportunities for Tom Brady, both in the NFL and outside of the NFL. I do think he plays next season. Maybe not as many opportunities as we all think. Right. I still, if I, I still am of the the thought process that he's going to go to the 49ers and ride off into the sunset with his childhood team. But that's just me. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is Tom's parents are getting older, and and you know while he would love to stay on the East Coast with his kids and all that, uh, there is something to be said for him maybe spending a season out there on the West coast and being closer to them as, as they, you know, get in the twilight years. Uh, so I wouldn't rule out the 49ers. It, it would be like a one year kind of thing. And, and uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's I'm not ruling him out for returning. I don't think it's going to happen, but the only way it would happen is if he and Todd Bowles agree on who the next offensive coordinator is going to be. If Tom has some input, if Tom likes the decision, and uh, I, I know who I would hire. I don't know if if the Buccaneers would would go for this, if, if they've thought about it. Todd Munkin, the Georgia offensive coordinator. The return. The return of Todd Munkin. I would love to see that because Todd Munkin has experience in the NFL. He is a no-bullshit coach. He will hold players accountable. He is intense. He is aggressive. He will run the ball when uh, and, and provide a balanced offense like Todd Bowles will want and like Tom Brady will want. Tom Brady does not want to lead the league in pass attempts, people. He does not at all. Tom wants an offense that, that is going to run the ball and help him out. Um, if you look back at most of his years with the Patriots, in many of those Super Bowl seasons, they had a top 10 running game. To compliment him. They, they did. And so I, I I think that would be the only way Brady comes back is if he signs on for the offensive coordinator, the Bulls and he are in agreement. And um, it's not going to be Sean Payton uh, because the Saints still owe his rights. Yeah. The compensation. They're not going to trade Sean Payton in the division and, and do that. But um, but yeah, Todd Munkin would be my choice. I would go get him and listen. If you're Todd Munkin and you're looking at this saying, well, I want to be an NFL head coach maybe and uh, get to work with Tom Brady, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But at the same time, too, if Ty Bowles might be on the hot seat, this might be a good opportunity for for Munkin to kind of think, well, you know, not that I want to go in there and, and you know, backstab the guy. But but if, if it turns out where, hey, you know, if, if Todd Bowles gets fired, this might be a fast track opportunity right. for me to get the job. Same thing happened with Todd Bowles, right? With Tony Sperano was let go in Miami. Todd Bowles was the interim head coach. So it's not a far-fetched notion, but Munkin would be the guy. George offensive coordinator has won a title there, has produced two undefeated seasons, uh, can can develop a quarterback. Look at Stetson Bennett. I mean, you know, he's, he should win the Heisman. He should be the Heisman trophy winner. In my you think so? I do. Yeah. I mean, Stetson huh. Bennett, it, I mean, he runs that offense. He's a great college quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a pro quarterback, but right. a great, great college quarterback. I watch a ton of Georgia. I uh, still text with Todd, uh, too. Um, and There you go. He, Todd Munkin's a good dude. He would be well, my choice. Todd Bowles and Tom Brady, as you said, would have to agree on it. But we can all agree that age rejuvenation is a great product that 
you should be using today. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Age rejuvenation. Uh, don't wait. Don't be like me. I was dumb. I waited till I was 50 years old and I got so tired. I couldn't know what to do except drink two Celsius a day. Guys, if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation. I'm serious. I am a client there. It is no joke. I feel like I'm 40. Um, I am. I'm younger in terms of, of my, my mental acuity. I feel more physically fit. I, I can rock the gym easier than I, than I could uh, even six months ago. Uh, it's just been a, a life-changing thing for me. John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end, uh, got me onto this. He's been on it now for about a year. He's only 43, and he looks great. Looks like he could play 10 more years in the league. So go to agerejuvenation.com. Sign up for that free consultation. Give yourself the gift of health, guys. Seriously, uh, I have low testosterone. Most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s have low testosterone. It is, it's just nature. There's not much you can do about it. Oh, except, you know, get that testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation. And uh, it will work wonders for you. Uh, your wife will love it. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's good. I, I highly recommend it. Should have done it years ago. They have five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great. Go to age rejuvenation. Yes, please do. And uh, before we wrap up the show, Scott, there's one more thing that I just want to talk about. And okay. um, I was looking at the lines, the spreads of this game. And yep. the last I checked, and remember, we're only here on Wednesday. So the uh, the lines, the numbers will move between now and at 425 when the game kicks off. But when I last saw the Bucks were a three and a half point underdog to the 49ers, despite right. a rookie quarterback. But the thing that really uh, took my fascination was the over under is at 37, wow. which is uh, low man. for that's, the that's NFL low, is low extremely low. And yeah. the box are the best in the business at hitting the under. They yeah. like continuously Go right. with the under, but that is such a low number. Like you're asking the Bucks offense to turn it on just a little bit, or yes. the you know the the 49ers to keep doing what they're doing with that offense, just not with Jimmy G with Brock Purdy. So I'm gonna have to take a little time to really think about whether I'm gonna bet the over or the under for Bucks right. minus three and a uh, Bucks plus three and a half. Yeah. I would wait a little bit because. I think that number is going to go up and you might be able to get the box a plus four, maybe even plus four and a half. So if you're interested in taking the bucks, I would definitely consider uh, waiting a couple of days for that. Or if you're just impulsive and you want to do it right now, that's totally cool. And of course, if you're yep. going to bet on this game, go ahead and do it over at mybookie.ag. Isn't that right, Scott? That's right. Cash in and cash out with my bookie sports betting. It's intense enough. You shouldn't need to sweat your payouts. My bookie has no strings bonus that will let you cash in and cash out quick. Use the promo code Pewter on a deposit of $50 or more. You can receive up to $200 in cash instantly in your MyBookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount once and you're ready to cash out. It's a no strings attached cash out bonus with MyBookie. Hammer this bonus on MyBookie so you can focus on what's important and you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere only with my bookie it's the best place to go to bet uh while i did lose uh, 60 bucks on uh on my <laughs> on, on my bet on on monday night best 60 bucks i've spent buccaneer fans uh, i did win big time on sunday to uh, help offset my losses i i bet on the seahawks over the rams uh heavy and cashed in on that and then also bet the the vikings for the win so i won on sunday lost on monday wouldn't have it any other way. There you have it. And uh, that's going to do it for us for today's show. We'll have another one tomorrow, so don't you worry. I feel um, really good about today's show, man. Yeah. I, I thought uh, I thought this was probably the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. 
I I think so too. I think we're on the same page. We're gonna try to beat it tomorrow if we can, and I, I like our chances there Ooh, as Buff, well. Buff Curry eight one three Turner likes the Bucks over the 49ers. I've not come out with my score prediction yet. Look for my prediction and Matt's, JC's, Casey's, Josh's, and Bailey's on Friday on pewterreport.com. We do our pewter preview and predictions, so look for that on Friday. Yep. Um, And uh, we'll we'll have all of our predictions there, and hopefully I will win this week because I I picked the the Saints last week and I lost. But, hey, good for the Bucks. Yeah, hopefully they can make it two in a row. So uh, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying, saying thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.